Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast. Our mission of teaching people to love God by showing them how much He loves us starts right now. Church, listen. The very first sign of the beginning of birth pains. You guys remember we talked about that last week. The very first sign is signifying that the last days of the age. Now, again, let your mind, put, put your thinking caps on, okay? After Jesus resurrected, started the last days. Peter thought they were in the last days over 2,000 years ago. Now, you guys know 2,000 years later, we're going, are we living in the last days? The obvious answer is absolutely yes. But we're so close because we've always lived in the last days, okay? Now, me growing up in the 80s, right, we thought it was 88 reasons why Jesus is coming back in 88, and so we were living in the last days then, never thinking we would ever make it to 2021, much less, I don't know if we're going to make it to 2028 or we're going to make it to 2040. I don't know, but I do know that we're living in the last days, okay? And we saw that the birth pains have started, Anybody know about birth pains? Moms, do you know about birth pains? Do you know how they start? Okay. First of all, it's like, oh, oh, that, that hurt a little bit. Boy, that, huh. And when that baby's ready to come, those birth pains are hard and they hurt. Okay. And it's so amazing because God does something so incredible because women, now, now listen, I'm only, I'm only telling you what I know, what Nathalie's told me. Okay. Cause I've never had a baby. But I know that they, it hurts so bad, but God does something incredible because once that baby's born, that pain instantly turns to love. You're just like, wow, this is so cool. But why does it have to hurt? Jesus said, it's going to hurt. Okay? So we saw, guys, that Jesus used an idiom. Okay? And he said, and he, and he implied a worldwide conflict. That's going to be the first birth pain. A worldwide conflict. Now, I believe that prior to World War I and World War II, we had Braxton Hicks contractions. Okay, we had some stuff going down. But Jesus said, oh, here it goes, here it goes. This is what you're going to know. Here's the first one, World War I and World War II. You can say, why two? Because remember it, it, how it, it, it signified both, how it all pointed to Israel. And we'll look at that a little bit later today. Okay? And we saw that this was this, this worldwide conflict coupled with what? Famines and earthquakes. And how every, every day we have earthquakes. We don't read about it anymore. Uh, we just, we just, unless it's really, really devastating, we go, oh, well, there's, and there's people who have earthquakes all, guys, that's going on today. And remember we talked last week that this all started, right? The very first shaking birth pain started in 1914. Okay, it started in 1914 with the beginning of World War One, and this marks the first event leading up to the tribulation period. Now, if I were around in 1913, and I said, hey, Rosa, Jesus is coming back, you could say, well, okay, not really, because Israel has to become a nation according to the word of God. But Israel becoming a nation was what? Was sequential event leading up to the tribulation, not the rapture of the church. So you see all of our grandfathers and our great-grandfathers who knew Jesus were waiting for him to come at that point. They weren't looking for a tribulation. They were looking for Jesus. And so they weren't discouraged that Israel wasn't a nation. They just knew that. And then World War I came and they said, oh, okay, okay, 19, there it is. There it is, and 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 in the second uh, event after World War One and World War Two, guys, if you're taking note, this is the second event. It's called the reestablishment as Israel as a nation. This is this had to happen, but Mike, it's leading up to the what the tribulation, and that's so important because if we get the tribulation and the rapture sequent the same thing, then we'll go okay. Well, then we got some time, or we don't have some time. Or I'm not sure what's going on. Okay, so here's the point, okay? Let's say, just say, okay, let's just say that a generation is what? Hit me some numbers, right? 70 years. Would you say a generation is 70 years? Some would say 70. Some would say 80. 
Other people would say a generation is 100. Do we really know what a generation is? But let's just say, let's just say it's 70. You guys with me? This is not even in my notes. Let's just say it's 70. When Israel became a nation in 1948, seven, count 70 years forward, what would that be? Anybody? Anybody? Anyone? Any mathematicians in here? Huh? 2018. Thank you. 2018. I kind of fully expected the Lord to come back around that time. It's 70 years. God works in 70s. And then we went into 2019, then we went 20, 2021. Hmm. But what if a generation was 80 years? Then that's not, it's not 2018. It's now 20 what? 2028. So if you were to minus 2028 and you were to take off the tribulation period, which is seven years, where does that put us? 2021. Okay? So the Lord could come back at any moment. Okay? Starting from when Israel became a nation. Now, what if it's a hundred years? Well, then we got some time. What do we got some time? What are we going to do? Right? We're going to, we're going to work and we're going to honor the Lord and we're going to share his love. And, and listen, guys, I'm asking you and I'm asking us to be a people that shows the love of Jesus in a real and practical way. You go, what do you mean? This is something that touched my heart. It's something that touched my heart it was so amazing. Because when, when Texas went into the deep freeze, you guys remember? Texas, we were in the deep freeze. Do you realize that there were people from New York, New Jersey, plumbers that drove 22 hours to come and help us? That's the kind of people we need to be in our own community. We need people going, what can we do to help? What can we do to help people in our community, guys? See, because I don't want to be a Christian in name only. Well, he's a Christian, he's a pastor, but we're not, we're not, we're not going out there and we're not reaching people. Can you imagine? And then I was so convicted, I was like, oh my goodness, I sat there in my house going, I'm so cold, instead of going, what can we do to help? That's what I want to be. I want to build a church that, that is out in our community, right? Because that's how we're going to see. People are going to know that we are disciples of the love, but of the Lord by the love we have. And how do we show love? By action. What can we do to help? What can we do? Guys, we're not in a deep freeze anymore, but what can we do to help? What can we do to help in our community? What can we do? How is this going to work out practically? Okay. I digress. Let's go back. In 1948, Israel became, I don't know if you know this, Israel became the only country to be destroyed for a thousands and thousands of years, only to come back and reestablish itself as a country. They're the only ones, right? Yet, we know that God told us in his word that this would happen. So God says, hey, I'm going to make Israel a nation again. They're going to be reestablished, right? And there wasn't, it was called Palestine at the time. As a matter of fact, Mark Twain went over there and said, are you kidding me? This is Israel. It's just a wasteland. It was just land. But God was doing something. Now, here's what we need to understand in our brains, guys. God doesn't work on our timeline. He works on his timeline. And so, and so there are times we go, well, God, why can't you do? Just wait, be patient. I know it's hard. Patience is, oh, right? The waiting room is always the hardest place to be. And so God's timeline isn't our timeline. We just need to be ready. That's all I'm asking you to do. Be ready. Okay, be ready. Because he could come back in five seconds. I'm ready. You ready? It's going to be amazing. It's going to be amazing. Well, Ben, he didn't come back. Okay, maybe the next five. See, we don't understand the heart of God and the grace he has for people. He wants to see all people saved. For God so loved the, the world that he gave his only begotten son. So he's ready. He's ready. He's ready. How does it work? We have mass evangelism, don't we? But we also have one-on-one relationship evangelism. The people he puts in your path. As you just share. And you just laugh. Now, 1948, Israel becomes a nation. Okay? What we need to understand is why everybody differs on this. Okay? Because 
because here's what I want you to do. I'm, I'm going to give you a lesson, but I want you to understand what's going on, okay, here. Um, we must take into account four different perspectives concerning Israel. Because you'll run into somebody and go, no, I don't think so. Or uh, you'll have somebody post on Facebook. I actually saw this. They posted on Facebook that there is no tribulation and there is no rapture. This is a pastor. Where does he get that from? Okay? And so you'll have, you'll, let, let me give them to you. You guys ready? Let me give them to you. The first perspective, these are people who come, okay, is called something called replacement theology. You guys ever hear about that? Replacement theology. This perspective or view believes that when Israel rejected the Messiah of Jesus, no, he's not God, he's not the Meshach, he's not the Messiah, then God was through the Jewish people, okay? Therefore, they did not fulfill uh, their prophecies as the Jewish people. So God says, mm, peace out, no more future restoration. You don't want Jesus? Fine. Now, for the time's sake, I can't get into this, but let me just summarize it, okay? Many believe that the church had replaced Israel in God's standing. A lot of people believe that, okay? So this is where we get the name replacement or theology of replacement. Israel is no longer valid. It's no longer prophetic. But the church has taken the place of Israel. And so that's the perspective, okay? So in essence, the church, this is what they say, is fulfilling Israel's promises. Now, you might be thinking, hey, what about all those prophecies that, that speak worldwide about a gathering of Jewish people to Israel, okay? And the answer they give is, this is not to be interpreted literally, but allegorically, Okay, that many of the elect will be brought into the church, not into Israel. Okay, but this is trippy because if you do a study of Israel, you'll see people upon people going back to Israel. And you'll ask them, hey, why, do you want, why did you move back to Israel? I don't know. I just felt like we needed to be here. They don't, they're not going, well, you know, California was just a mess up. Texas was, we just found a better, we've just found a better place to live in in Israel. That's not what they say, because you can't afford to live in Israel. You understand? Because it's very expensive. It's very expensive. If you wanted to live in Israel, just so you know, if you wanted to live in Israel and you wanted to oversee the Mediterranean in a city um, called Natanya, it would cost you about a million dollars. That's how expensive it is. When I was there back in 2011, gas prices were at $8.69 a gallon. That's expensive. We stopped and we had some fries at this one place. Uh, back in 2011, I remember getting fries, and it was like $8.50 for a plate of fries. It's expensive. So to move there for economic reasons? Mm-mm. Mm-mm. So, but people go, no, 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 see, see Israel? Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm-mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. The Jewish people rejected Jesus, and so the church replaced it. That's, that couldn't be farther from the truth. Now, here's what I want you to think about. They believe, these people believe that there is no future prophecy in Israel, okay? Um, and the modern Jewish state was nothing but a, an accident in history. That's all. So in 1948, when they got, when they became a nation, guess what? Oh, it's just, oh, it just happens, I guess. I don't know. It just happens. That's their perspective. There's a lot of people who have replacement theology. Number two perspective, okay? The second view is actually the opposite of replacement theology, okay? Many people believe that there is going to be a final restoration of Israel. Yes, he's going to be, right? The problem is, is they believe that all Israel has to be saved and there would have to be a national repentance followed by a national restoration, okay? Okay? 
It's almost like, let me step over here, here's my opinion. It's almost like what we, we call kingdom, kingdom now theology. You know what that is? That means in order for Jesus to come back, we all have to repent and we all have to be living sinless before the king will come back. Well, we're all sinners. That is really, really hard to do. But until a nation, until the world is, is walking in alignment with God's word, He's not going to come back. Well, that's how they sort of feel with Israel. Israel's going to be restored, but not until they have repented. Now, here's the problem. The problem is general observation. You go, how so? Listen, when you go to the state of Israel today, right, they're nowhere near repentance. Seriously. I mean, you think about it, right? Our tour guide used to say, this is the Holy Land, but not everyone's holy, <laughs> okay? And so, and so, the, I mean, they're, 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 there's people that try to rip you off. There's people that will, I mean, this is no doubt. This is a true story. I remember getting off the bus, okay? Getting off the bus, first time in Israel. Ah, this is amazing. And I saw this little old man hunched over like this. And he had a little tin can. He was about 900 years old. I'm telling you the truth, okay? And he walked like this, and he's like, and I'm like, oh my gosh, there's poor people in Israel, okay? And I'm digging, here, there's some change. And I'm like, wow, there you go, God bless you. <laughs> Lord, look, God help me. Right, and he's walking like that. Couldn't even look up. I mean, he's like this. And, and so I'm like, okay, so I go with my tour guide, and we go down the path with, I mean, it's really steep off the Mount of Olives to go down. This is where, where, where Jesus rode in, and this is Mount of Olives. And so I'm sitting there, and then all of a sudden, I turn around, and I see the same dude. He's like this. I'm like, how did he get down so fast? I was like, seriously, it tripped me out. I was like... Is there an elevator around here? I'm not sure. I don't know how he beat us down the hill. But he didn't. I'm like, okay, I'm being scammed here. Because even though it's the Holy Land, not everybody's holy. Okay? And so that, I remember, think about it. And so, and so uh, Adam and Tiffany went with us last time. You remember. I mean, it's crazy. It's crazy. But as a matter of fact, check this out. There are 5.1 million Jews in the land today. Only four to 5,000 are believers. Okay? And that's not enough to stay. That's not even, and that's not even the Orthodox. They're not even Orthodox. You guys know what I'm saying? There's people there that are very secular, and there's a lot in Israel that are what? They're both atheistic and agnostic. They're just, they just are. So, so listen. You cannot say, oh wait, this is a national restoration, but there has to be a national repentance first. They have to, because they're not, they're not, they're not, they're not doing that. They're not doing that. And listen, there are multiple prophecies that speak of a national restoration. Ready? Jot this down. But it's not until the tribulation. You guys with me? When the rapture of the church happens, you guys ready to go? Oh, fly away. Oh, I'm ready to go. God's going to take the Holy Spirit off the Gentiles and he's going to put it primarily on the Jewish people. That's where the national restoration is going to come in. Now, over here, over here, over here, over here, United States, around the world, people are still going to get saved because I think there's going to be a remnant of people going, oh, I missed it. Oh, I missed it. I got to get right with God. The problem is in the tribulation, although the Holy Spirit is primarily on Israel, you're going to have to give your life for it. This is why I beg you not to be left behind. Not to be playing church, not to be, you know, skating, not to be, you know, a fence walker, but to say, I surrender today completely. Okay, so, so God's going to take, he's going to take the Holy Spirit and he's going to put it on Israel and then he's going to do an incredible work. You guys know that. You know that, right? But they're expecting it to happen now. Third perspective, okay? So you have the first one, replacement. The second one is opposite. Third one, um, what's happening today with all the Jewish people moving back to Israel, this is the final restoration of Israel. But this view doesn't recognize the tribulation period at all, okay? Or does it recognize a seven-year peace treaty or anything else? When you ask the third view people, what about the tribulation, they hold to this perspective. The tribulation has already happened, the tribulation was already fulfilled at Holocaust. 
This is their view. And so they say, no peace treaty. It already happened. There's no tribulation. Um, so Israel is ready to be fulfilled. And this is, therefore, we're ready to become a nation. Now, this is an interesting view in UI. Because now you have many emissaries travel around the world encouraging Jewish people to go back home. And they say this, if you don't go back to Israel, you are living in sin. Because if you are part of the great Babylon, the United States of America, you are not fulfilling what God has called you to do. Therefore, you're living in sin. And so you need to go back. This is what they're saying. So it's not a restoration of what God wants to do. It's being pushed, being guilt-tripped to move back to Israel. You guys tracking with me? Everybody with me, okay? So that's what's kind of happening, okay? That's what's kind of, you need to go back to your home. Get away from Babylon. And they'll use the scripture going, remember when they were in Babylon and we wanted to come? It's time for you to go home. Those are the three views. And they all differ from us. Now, there's a fourth view, but we're going to talk about that in a moment. But here's what I want you to see. There are several verses, so many that I couldn't list here, but there are so many verses that talk about a regathering, reestablishment of Israel. The first one we find is Ezekiel chapter 20. Picking it up in verse 33, notice what it says. And I'm going to read from the New Living because it gives it a little bit better flair. As sure as I live, says the sovereign Lord, I will rule over you with an iron fist in great anger and with awesome power. And in anger, I will reach out with my strong hand and powerful arm. Help me, guys. And I will bring you back from the lands in which you were scattered. Here's the prophecy. Hey, I'm going to bring you back into Israel. I'm going to bring you back into the land. I will bring you into the wilderness of nations, and there I will judge you face to face. I will judge you there just as I did your ancestors in the wilderness after bringing them out of Egypt, says the Lord God. I will examine you carefully and hold you to the terms of the covenant. I will purge you of all those who rebel and revolt against me. I will bring them out of the countries where the exile, where they're in exile, but they will never enter the land of Israel. Then you will know that I am the Lord. What's his point? Here it is, real simple. Hey, I'm going to bring you back to Israel. Purpose? So you know that I'm God. And so when you ask people, hey, uh, why do you want to go back to Israel? I don't know. I just feel it in my heart. I just feel it in my heart. I just got to go. Adam, when you went to Israel, Tiffany, did you feel like that was home? In, in a weird sense, was it not? I mean, it wasn't home like where your babies were and, and, uh, and all of that stuff, but it was just like, and see, for the believer, guys, when you go there, it, it feels like home. It feels like home so much for my wife that I have to practically drag her on the plane to come back to America. She would live there. That's how much it's home. I find it interesting when Christians go over there and they go, huh, that's all right. Because you feel something there. Okay, why? Because the Bible says that you and I as Gentiles, you guys ready? We're grafted in to the Jewish community. We're grafted in in the vine. We're, we're spiritually Jewish, if you will. And so when we go home, we're like, oh. Now, listen, listen, this is just my opinion, okay? So forgive me, just my opinion. I told Natalie, if our world continues to go this way, the United States, into a communist, socialist country with no rights, I'd rather move to Israel. You go, well, Israel's locked down too, and they have to wear masks, and they do the same thing. Yes, but they're not socialist or communist, Okay? You go, well, why, why, why would you? Here's why. Listen, I love the United States, and I, I'm just, man, I'm proud to be an American. But I know, I know where we're headed. But my home is with the Lord. My home is with the Lord. And so I feel that. And I feel that. So God says, guess what? I'm going to do something that's going to blow your mind. I'm going to bring Jewish people back to Israel. And he starts doing it. 
He starts doing it slowly. And people can't explain it. And they go back to Israel. Now, I want to break this down for just a moment, okay? I want to show you that prior to 1948, people were hoping for this as they waited for the return of the Lord. Can you imagine, Christians, how they felt in about 70 A.D.? When Israel fell and stopped being a nation, okay? So, guys, from 70 A.D. to 1948, Israel was not a nation. There has never, ever, 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 ever been a nation to do that. To be a nation, cease being a nation for that long, and then become a nation again. Never. So what's the point? It gets us to see this is God. This is God. And what it should do is it should increase your faith to stand upon the word of God for your marriage, for your children. It should stand upon the word of God when you're sitting here going, man, I'm, I'm, I'm being sucked back into drug abuse. I'm being, this is, we can stand upon this when life seems to be barely out of control. That, that's the whole point. He goes, why am I going to do this? Listen, I've done it because I'm God. And people go, man, I really wish there was a God. No, 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 he's there. You see, but we're not tapped into his power. We're not tapped into, oh, we're not tapped into just how awesome and amazing and and beautiful and healing and how good God is. We're tapped into our own resources of what we can do and the world that we've been brought up in. But but God says, I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that. So God says, listen, listen, here's, here's, I've got to do something. I'm going to do something incredible. You ready? Another birth pain? I'm going to reestablish Israel. Everybody prior to 1948 said, you crazy, you crazy, right? When Mark Twain read this, he thought it was a joke, okay? In 1867, he visited there and he published his impressions. He published this on something called Innocence Abounds, and he said this, He described a desolate, devoid, both of vegetation and human population. He said, (laughs) really? There's not even a single plant here or people. Really, God? Think about it today. Think about it today. What would Mark Twain, if he was around today, what would he say? That's all he could say. Guys, that's the power of our God. See, listen, the same God, right, who lives in you, that's God. That's God. Now, the troubles you're facing is nothing for the power of God. Here's what I've got to tell you. Let me just encourage you. It's not your timeline. It's his. And I wish that that God would listen to my timeline. Uh, God, here's how, this is, listen, I've talked it over with my friends and I think this is going to be the best way we do this. (laughs) What do you think? Hello? (laughs) Hello? God's timeline, right? So in 1867, there's nothing. 1948, it's a a nation again. It's a nation again. You guys with me? It's so amazing. If you go to Israel today, today, do you remember when we went? It was two years ago, right? And there wasn't a whole lot of rain. Remember, Gila was telling us we needed to pray for rain, that there has been so much rain fallen in these last two years that the sea has, has rose. I mean, there's just, there's just so much. Guys, it is full, uh, amazing. I mean, there's, there's more vegetation and population than ever before. As a matter of fact, you realize that they're not only up in the upper Galilee and all of that area is full of vegetation. But do you realize that in the desert, they're growing watermelons? This is incredible. That's not happenstance, guys. It's God. It's God. And the same God who said, here's what's going to happen, is the same God that is governing your life. Can I get an amen? Amen. Can I get a better amen? amen? So then why are we tripping? Why are we worried? I know. I'm with you. The same God who governs my life. I don't know if you're going to do this. I don't know what's going to happen. 
I don't know how my bills are going to get paid. And God's like, I got you, bro. I love you. We're all here today because God is sovereign, is he not? And he's good. And we could have died a long time ago. But God saved us and he has a purpose for that. Now, we go through tribulation. We go through trials. We go through a lot of storms. But that doesn't mean God doesn't leave us. And he's not, and he's not, he's not absent. He's just, he's just wanting us to grow. Ezekiel's prophecy, guys, in 2235, he says, I'm going to bring you into what? The wilderness of nation, and there I will judge you face to face. I mean, think about this. In order for the reestablishment of Israel to be a sequential sign, God must fulfill bridging unbelieving people back to the land. For you see, there will be a time of judgment before God can restore Israel. And what that does is that leads up to the Great Tribulation. Now, remember, seven-year peace treaty. Everybody nod if you're with me. Seven-year peace treaty. We're going to talk about that in Daniel, okay? The first three and a half years, think about it in your mind, okay? See if your mind can handle it. Hear the trumpet. We're out of here. World goes crazy. World goes nuts. Nuts. But for three and a half years, the Antichrist is on the scene and he's making everything good. He's the Savior. Listen, listen to me. Pray, 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 pray. Because what the devil is doing now, he's trying to condition people to look for a Savior. You guys don't believe me? Our Savior, first and foremost, was a mask, was it not? If we just wear a mask, that's a Savior, okay? And people, we got to wear them, we got to wear them, okay? And then we go, okay, well, that's not working, so what do we need? We need, and we're looking, and, 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 and there's nothing wrong with wearing a mask. You can wear a mask or not wear a mask, that's up to you. You can take the vaccine or don't take the vaccine, that's up to you. That's between you and God. But what I'm saying is the conditioning that the devil's doing in the world is trying to get us, get the world's population to look for a savior. So when the rapture takes place, it'll be easy to go, oh, look to him. He's got the answers. First three and a half years? Wow. Okay. We're back to, we got, we're back to normal. The last three and a half years, all hell breaks loose. That's called the great tribulation. Okay? Now listen, I don't want to be here for any of that. And I don't want you to be here for any of that. I don't. I don't want any of Lubbock to be here for any of that. And so again, think about it, guys. This is what happened. So God is doing this, right? He says, listen, boom. And, and, and God, guys, think about this. He actually, he actually gave us a preview in Exodus. You go, what do you mean? He says, as the children of Israel came out of Egypt, we can see that Egypt never really came out of them. Remember when they were to go into the promised land and because of sin and rebellion, what happened? God made them wander in the wilderness for 40 years. Do you guys remember that? Why? Until all those who were 20 and old died in the wilderness. And the people who entered the promised land were those who were young and born in the freedom of the wilderness. So Joshua enters the land of Canaan, not with, he enters with free men, not with slave men. You go, Ben, I'm not sure. You kind of lost me. You see, the same way God is going to judge Israel is the same way he did here. I don't know if you caught this at all, but if you'll study your Bible well enough to know God's already told you, and he's given us previews of what's going to happen. People say, well, there ain't no rapture. Really? Tell that to Enoch. Hey, Enoch was walking with God, and God said, come on up here. We're closer to my house than yours. Right? Elijah. Elijah was in his car. <laughs> right? Chariot of fire. I mean, he's given us previews. He's given us previews of judgment. Everything that's going to happen in the tribulation, guys, you can tie it into the Old Testament. 
every, all, of the, all of the judgments of, of, of Egypt. I mean, think about this. Eva, think about this. You go home today and you have frogs everywhere. Right? Mike goes to get a cup of cereal, get, get some cereal. He opens up, there's 15, 20 frogs jumping at him. Ribbit, 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 you know? Think about it. And so Pharaoh goes, hey, can you get rid of the fo- frogs? And Moses goes, oh, so when do you want to get rid of the frogs? Oh, tomorrow. I mean, everything like that, the lice, the frogs, the judgment. I mean, think about it, guys. This is all going to be tied in here. But what's the point? The point isn't that we have just incredible knowledge, but that we, that our hearts are set ablaze for God. You see, bringing people back to Israel seemed only impossible, but not to God. Not to God. Only God could accomplish this. Hey, if you're taking note, jot this down. Malachi chapter 3, verse 6. He says, for I am the Lord, I do not change. Therefore, you are not consumed, O sons of Jacob. So he's just promising Israel. You're not, you're, it's all right. I wonder how many of our Christian brothers and sisters who have died were hoping to see the rapture. And you're going to be the generation that sees that. That's going to be crazy. Now, Israel becoming a nation. Okay, let me give you some history. Do you mind? Let me give you some history. Um, because I want you to really fully understand. The Balfour, anybody hear about that? The Balfour Declaration. Okay? This happened from 1517 all the way to 1917. Okay? If you go to Israel today, you'll realize that much of the Middle East during this time was ruled by the Ottoman Empire. Okay? The Ottomans were ruling that. If you go to Israel, you'll see that in a lot of their writings. This is the Ottoman Empire. But World War I dramatically altered the geopolitical, the geopolitical landscape in the Middle East in 1917. At the height of the war, now remember, we thought, we thought World War I had to focus on the United States, but it really wasn't. It was really focused on the Middle East and Israel. Okay? So at the middle, right, at the height of the war, British Foreign Secretary Arthur James Balfour, he submitted a letter of intent supporting the establishment of a Jewish homeland in Palestine. So he says, hey, this is, this is what we should do. Now, the British government hoped that the formal declaration, therefore, or known therefore as the Balfour Declaration, would encourage support for the Allies in World War I. When World War I ended in 1918 with an Allied victory, the 400-year Ottoman Empire rule ended. You go, wow. Great Britain took control of what became as Palestine, which was modern-day Israel, Palestine, and Jordan. Now, the Balfour Declaration and the British Mandate over Palestine was approved by the League of Nations in 1922. But see, Arabs said, no, they vehemently opposed the Balfour Declaration, concerned, guess what, that the Jewish homeland would mean a subjugation of Arab-Palestinians. No, 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 you can't have Jewish people come back. The British controlled Palestine until Israel, right, British controlled Palestine into Israel, all the way till the following, you guys will never guess this, until the end of World War II where it became an independent state in 1947. You're like, no way. You see, the United Nations approved a plan in partition to partition Palestine into a Jewish and Arab state in 1947. But guess what? The Arabs said, no, 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 no. They rejected it. But in May 15, 1948, it was officially declared to be a state. With David Ben-Gurion, the head of the Jewish agency, as the prime minister. Okay? So all of a sudden, May 15, 1948, boom! Israel becomes a nation again. Now, while this historic event seemed to be a victory over the Jews, it also marked 
the beginning of a more violence with the Arabs and something called the Arab-Israeli War. You guys don't realize that, okay? Following the announcement, Israel's going to become a nation. They're going to sign it. Guess what? Five nations, five Arab nations were ready to go to war with Israel. It was Egypt, Jordan, Iraq, Syria, and Lebanon. These are all nations that surround Israel right now. You're going, really? 1947. Now, here's the thing. David Ben-Gurion said, if I don't sign it, we're going to go to war. If I do sign it, we're going to go to war. And they went to war. They went to war. Okay? So they immediately, as soon as he signed that in May, they, I mean, think about this. Guys, they were invaded right there. Boom. Civil war broke out through all of Israel, but a ceasefire was actually reached in 1949 as part of a temporary armistice agreement in the West Bank, part of the Jordan and Gaza Strip, and all of this stuff. Now, here's what I want to share with you, okay? There's a couple of things. Number one, when President Trump came and he started what we know as the Abraham Accord, he was actually even doing more peace than anybody else from even back in 1947. You understand that, right? Now, I wish I had hours upon hours to tell you about what that really meant, the Abraham Accord that Trump signed. But now, I'm not sure where that's going to end up. But here's what you'll have, Santos. Listen. A lot of people will go to the Bible and they'll say, wait a minute. Before Jesus comes back, there has to be the Ezekiel War. You guys hear that? Ezekiel 38 and 39. But they'll also point to Psalm 83. They'll say there has to be a Psalm 83 war. Now, if you talk to Jewish believers today, they believe that the Psalm 83 war, Eva, actually happened in 1948. You go, really? Yeah, 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 yeah. This is good. This is so good. Okay? Because according to Psalm 83, a confederacy of Muslims are subject to judgments, which are going to be detailed through Ezekiel 25 all the way to 32. You go, well, like who? Who, who is there? Um, Egypt, Jordan, Syria, Lebanon, along with Palestinian. You go, wait a minute. That's exactly who you named. Yeah, listen. E- Psalm 83, 1 through 4 says this. Do not keep silent, O God. Do not hold your peace. Do not be still, O God. For behold, your enemies will make a tumult. And those who hate you have lifted up their head. They have taken crafty counsel against your people and have consulted against your sheltered ones. They have come. Here's what he, is, here's what he says. Look, come, let us cut them off from being a nation that the name of who? Israel will be remembered no more. Okay? Think about this. This is exactly what he said. He said, okay, these five Arab nations attacked Israel. Now, now, here's what you need to know. Ezekiel 38 and 39, God himself is going to step in and fight for Israel. Okay? The Russian coalition, all of that, God's going to fight for Israel. You with me? Supernaturally. Israel here defeated that coalition. So most people, most Israelis will point and say, you see, Psalm 83 actually happened already. Because here's why, guys. Egypt, Jordan, Syria, they're, they're not against, I mean, they're not against Israel anymore. They're actually allies. It's just when Russia and Iran go into Syria and want to take over that it looks like Syria is against Israel. You go, well, Ben, what was the purpose? What was the purpose? Well, he tells us in verse 18 of Psalm 83. He says that they may know that you, that you, whose name alone is the Lord, are the most high over all the earth. A decisive win in 1948 over all of these nations. Now, you got to remember. you got to remember. At that point, Adam, Israel didn't have an army. They were farmers. Okay. Can you imagine going to fight a war with a shovel? 
These guys are coming with tanks and you're like, okay, Lord, let's go. I got my hole. I got my hedge trimmers. Let's get it. That's really what it was. You know how they tell you don't go to a gunfight with a knife? Or we, yeah, a gunfight with a knife? That's kind of how it was. Israel's like, we got a knife. Pokey, pokey. But God showed up in an amazing way and Israel defeated them. And they were signed and they were reestablished as a nation. Why? Because God said, I'm going to do it. This is the Lord. People will know. People will know. Israel had seven major wars since 1948. Seven majors. Yet, they're still around and God continues to show himself faithful. So we see that World War I and World War II, guys, were the first birth pain. You guys ready? Oh, that hurt. And then we see that Israel becoming a nation, reestablished in 19... Oh, there's another one. There's another one. Ooh. It's getting... And this is leading up to the what? The tribulation. Now, let me give you this very quickly, and it is very quickly, okay? The third birth pain is that there has to be Jewish... Jerusalem had to be under Jewish control. Listen, even though Israel became a nation in 1948, it did not mean they had total control of Jerusalem. As a matter of fact, it was divided for 19 years, even though they had won. Nevertheless, prophetically speaking, the old city Jerusalem had to fall, has to fall under Jewish control. In 1967 began the third birth pain. You go, what was that? It was called the Six-Day War. Right? While the Six-Day War itself was never predicted in the scriptures, what was accomplished certainly was. The Six-Day War brought about the fulfillment of prophecy regarding Jewish control in the old city of Jerusalem. Now, if you have a chance and you have some time, go to YouTube and just type in Six-Day War of Israel and see how amazing... They did a documentary where it was like, they, they were Israel, there were Israel soldiers going... And, and God was fighting for them. Supernaturally. I don't know how much more I can encourage you. That's the God you serve. That's the God who's got your back. So the next time the devil comes to your door, just tell the Lord, Lord, you answer it. That's how powerful he is. Okay? But, there has to be Jewish control. Okay? Now, before we go on, let me give you four major scriptures that speak of specific events, and I'm just going to read them, of Jewish control, and what has to be established is Jewish control and a third temple. Okay? If you go to Israel today, there's not a third temple. Okay? But we know what's going to happen. Daniel 9.27. I'm just going to read it. Then shall confirm, he, he shall confirm a covenant with many for how guys? Seven years, one week, but in the middle of the week he shall bring an end to sacrifice, offering. And on the wing of the abomination he shall make one who is desolate, even until the consummation which is determined is poured out desolate. What's he saying? There has to be a temple for him to do that. Israel's gonna go, oh, we need a Messiah, we need a savior. And then he's gonna stand up in the temple and go, I am God. This is the Antichrist. I am God. And they're going. Okay? Look at Matthew 24, 15. Therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation spoken by the prophet Daniel standing in the holy place, whoever reads, let him see. So he's saying, listen, that's going to be the, the abomination of desolation is going to happen at the three and a half year mark of the tribulation. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 3 and 4. Let no one deceive you by any means, for that day will not come unless a falling away comes first, and the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition. That's the Antichrist. Now, let me just say this. Help me. Help me, church. You've got to help me on this one, okay? Those of you watching online, do we not see a falling away today? This is what he's saying. He's saying, don't let anyone deceive you because there's going to be a falling away. Now, here's what I believe. I believe there's a revival. I think there's new people going to get saved. But I also think there's a falling away. It was Pastor Jack Hibbs that said, guys, listen, listen, there are going to be, there, there are people who have not come back to church, not because of COVID, but there's a falling away. But his church is packed because there's more people coming and getting saved. It's, there's a new, there's a, there's a new awakening. There's people who you go, man, I didn't think they'd ever be saved. They're getting saved. 
But I guess my concern is there are those who are the falling away. Well, that has to happen before the son of perdition who opposes himself above all that is God, who is worshipped. And so he sits on the where, guys? As God on the temple of God, showing himself that he's God. So he says, this is, he's giving it to us. Last one, Revelation 11, 1 and 2. Then I was given a reed like a measuring rod, and the angel said, rise and measure what? The temple of God, the altar, and those who worship there. But leave out the court which is outside the temple and do not measure it, for it is given to the Gentiles. And they will tread the holy city underfoot for how many? How much is 42 months? Three and a half years, is it not? So he's talking about this temple. Now, here's what we've learned, okay? If you go to Israel today, there's something called the Temple Institute. And you walk in and they give you a presentation and they have everything ready to go for the third temple. It's ready. It's been ready. The only thing they're missing is what? The third temple. That blows your mind. Because you and I here in the United States, we're worried about ourselves. We're worried about what we're going we're gonna to go to work tomorrow. We've got, we got you know, babysitters. We've got stuff going on in our lives. But they're ready. They're ready for the third temple. I'm not much of a construction guy, but I don't think it's going to take very much to put up a temple pretty quick. Specifically, if you want to atone for your sins. So do you think we could get a temple up in 30 days? Do you think construction, Mike, do you think? Yeah. It wouldn't, it wouldn't, I mean, just walls. I mean, you can put a metal building and call it a temple. Here's my point. You guys ready? We've already seen three events leading up to the tribulation. They've already been fulfilled. They're part of history. Okay? The next six events are, are the pre-tribulational, and they're all future, the next six. You go, what are they? Well, we covered three. Let me just give them to you, okay? You have the Ezekiel 38 and 39 war, okay? We're going to summarize that. Then we're going to have, listen, then you'll have the one world government. The one world government will somehow split only into ten, ten nations. That's future, out of the ten nations, the next event is going to be the rise of the Antichrist. Now, you and I, we, have, we, 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 we won't see the Antichrist. According to Second Thessalonians, we're not going to see him. We won't, we, we'll see the spirit of him maybe, like this person maybe, but we're not going to see him. That's coming. He's going to rise up. Who is he? I don't know. But keep your eyes on the revived Roman Empire. Keep your eyes. I told the guys yesterday, keep your eyes on the French president. Just keep your eyes on him. You think he's the Antichrist? I'm not saying that. Don't send me an email. I'm just saying, keep your eyes. Keep your eyes on the Middle East. Keep your eyes. Then the, the second to the last event before the tribulation, guys, is what, where Israel has to feel very peaceful in and in a false security. And we actually thought that with President Trump, did we not? But now there's turmoil all over the place. And last but not least, guys, the Antichrist is going to come in and offer a seven-year peace treaty in order so they can build their temple, in order so they can worship. Seven years. If you see someone go, well, we have peace for a year, that's not, that's not the one. It has to be what? Seven years. Okay, so... I've given you a lot of information. Let me close. I want to close. I want to close. I want to just remind you, the purpose of this is to inform you. This thing is real. The first thing I want to remind you is that you should have peace in your life. You should have peace. You should know that you're saved because... If everything that Ezekiel told us and Isaiah told us and Daniel told us is true and we see it coming to pass, we know his word is true. So if Romans tells me that I'm saved by confessing and believing in my heart, I'm saved. So you go to bed tonight, saved. You're saved. Don't doubt. You're saved. God's word is true. God's word is true. Peace in your home. You're saved. You're saved.
If you have other friends who don't necessarily believe like you, but they've confessed and they believe in Jesus, trust the Lord. His word is true. The second thing, the second thing this should do. Okay, we've seen three, we've seen three sequential events coming up. This is proof positive. Okay, so the second thing it should do is it should ask, get us to search our heart. Where am I with you, Lord? Where am I with you? Okay, Lord. I don't want to be a fence walker. I don't want to be, I don't want to be sit. I want to be ready. I want to be on fire for the Lord. You guys, Wednesday night, what did we learn? We learned the Lord said, hey, I'd rather you be hot or cold. Don't be lukewarm. He said, that makes me sick. You know what I would say? I wish every one of us would be on fire. On fire for the Lord. You can still live. You can still do your thing, man. You can still be happy. You can still eat your food and your, and your Mexican food and, and enjoy life. But be on fire for the Lord. Amen? Be on fire for the Lord. And last but not least, guys, is the reason we're doing this is because I want, I want to remind you that the return of the Lord is imminent. Happen any second. So we've got to be ready. Paul reminds us, guys, that for me to live is Christ, to die is gain. We've got to be ready. We've got to be ready. We have to be ready. Father, we thank you for your word. God, Lord, I, there's just so, Lord, your history. We're, we're in 2021, God, and you're showing us things. And, and, and I, I barely scratched the surface, Lord. Lord, stir in, us, stir in us a hunger for your word. Stir in us a greater hunger for you. Lord, light that fire again. Lord, do you remember that fire we once had? We were burning so bright for you that the world has tried to push out. Oh, light that fire again, God. Light that fire. Lord, let us smile again. The world has beaten that smile out of us and wants to cover it with the mask. And Lord, let us smile again because you're still on the throne. And you chose us. You chose us in these last days to be your light, to reflect how beautiful you are. God, we love you. With every eye closed and every head bowed, those of you watching online, how many of you would say, um, Pastor Ben, I don't know if I'm right with God. I, I, I'm ready to, to be on fire for God once and for all. I'm ready to give my life to him. If that's you, just know that the Holy Spirit is talking to you and he's asking you to come home. You go, Ben, what do I have to do? Well, in a second, I'm just going to ask you to lift up your hand so I can see you and pray for you. That's all I want to do is pray for you, lead you in a prayer. If God is speaking to you and you're ready to be, you're ready to be saved, you're ready to be on fire for God, you're ready to commit your life to Jesus 100%, man, no turning back, I want to pray for you. And so I'm asking you, if the Holy Spirit is speaking to you, will you just lift up your hand? Nobody's going to see. God's going to see you. All you have to do is lift up your hand and say, Pastor Ben, pray for me. I want Jesus. I'm ready. I'm 100% in. I'm jumping in. Would you do that right now? If you're not right with God and you want to be, would you just lift up your hand? God bless you, sir. I see you way in the back there. I see you. Anybody else? Maybe you're watching online and God is speaking to you right where you're at in your house. Will you just lift up your hand to him and you just give your life to him? Say, God, I am sorry. Forgive me of my sin. I've played around for too long. I'm ready to come home. Come into my heart, God. Light that fire again. That fire that I once knew. I surrender to you. 
I love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hey, this is Pastor Josh. I hope this message has encouraged you in your walk with Jesus. If it has, we would love to hear your story of how it has impacted you, or especially if you responded to the invitation to receive Jesus into your heart as your Lord and Savior. To get in touch or to receive more information, please contact us by phone at 806-799-2227 or send an email to calvarylubbock at hotmail.com. Again, that phone number is 806-799-2227. Also, if you want to partner with us financially to take the gospel to West Texas and the world, please click on the Donate button on calvarychapellubbock.org. Thanks for listening to the podcast. May God richly bless you.